You are listening to Lifestyle and Success with Dr. S, a talk show to help you rise in business success while designing a life that you don't need a vacation from. To subscribe and never miss a beat, head to Lifestyle and Success with DRS.com. Today's episode is coming up next. Welcome to today's episode. So today I have Dr. Emma Hepburn joining us all the way from across the pond in the UK. She was featured on BBC Scotland four-part series, Susan Coleman's Happy Place. She is a therapist. She received the Point of Light Award for Extraordinary Service to Public Health during the pandemic. Uh, She's been featured in many places as a mental health expert. She's officially a clinical psychologist, and she has over 15 years of experience working with and treating mental health difficulties in both the public and private sector. So Emma is here today to talk to us about how the pandemic may have affected our mental health. I don't know about you, but I've noticed with myself, I've been a little bit more sensitive during this time. I've also experienced some losses, unfortunately. And so it has been a challenging time for me personally, as well as many of the people that I am in community with. And so everyone's kind of asking the question, where do we go from here? Dr. Emma, I hope you will help us. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Delighted to join you. So happy to have you. So can you tell us, how did you get started as a clinical psychologist? Sure. So I um, actually started studying architecture at university. And um, and then I sat back and thought about it. And I, I love design, but I actually thought I prefer working with people. So I moved to a psychology degree. And after that, really thought, well, the parts I like about psychology are applying it to help people. So the next obvious step was clinical psychology, which is working with people with mental health difficulties or whose brains have been impacted on by a brain injury, for example. So um, trained to be a clinical psychologist and I've worked uh, across NHS, which is our national health service in the UK and also in the private sector. So what did you think you were going to be doing when you grew up? Were you always interested in the field of psychology? I think I was, but I didn't realise what it was. So I was all, I remember sitting as a little girl and watching people out the window and just being intrigued by how people operated and sitting observing in a room, just how people, you know, what they did and how they spoke. So I've always been interested in people, but I don't think I realised that was psychology at the time. I've also always been really creative and artistic. So to me, I always thought I was going to go into a really creative field and working with people in psychology as a young child didn't seem like that. But since I've been in psychology, it is very creative because you have to apply the knowledge and the theory really creatively. And also a lot of my work and my books that I write are drawing the psychological concepts to try and make them meaningful to people. And work I've done with children, there's a lot of creativity sitting on the floor designing things with them, working out how they'll work towards their goals in a meaningful way. So a lot of that creativity 
have has well is part of psychology but I've brought into psychology but as a young child I probably didn't realize I could use my creativity in that way. I do have to say like your your feed is so engaging and it really does give this air of lightness to a very heavy and serious topic and so um, I just really appreciate you being a light especially during a time like this where everyone's mental health is like teetering yeah. on like ooh is this a problem is or is mm-hmm. everything okay and and that's because of this whole pandemic and you touch on these things in your on your Instagram feed where you talk about grief and pandemic fatigue um and mm-hmm. and how you can look after your mental health during this time of having this uh, coronavirus over these last few years where everyone's kind of thinking it's going to go away and then it just keeps on going year after year. And so what things are you seeing from your side um, as a psychologist that are kind of commonly experienced that people can kind of take Mm -hmm. some relief in knowing that you're not alone? Like a lot of people are experiencing this. What are you noticing on your side? Oh, that's a, a great question. And I think the one that I'm seeing most and I and people are engaging with online when I write about it is pandemic fatigue it's this sense of absolute exhaustion you described that we thought it'd be over quite quickly but actually it's ongoing and we're still living in high stress and uncertainty and that for us creates uncertainty and not knowing what's going to happen in the future although we actually never know what's going to happen in the future we like to believe we do but at the moment, we really don't know what's going to happen. And we don't know if there's going to be a curveball that comes at us, if things have to change, if restrictions will go up or down. And that creates stress in our body. And stress effectively is using our energy. It puts us into kind of drive mode where we're on high alert. And if we're in that for too long, it's exhausting. It physically exhausts our body. And people are exhausted. And when I shared, um, I did a very simple drawing one. It just came to me. It comes to me at random places. I I'm just going to write, draw this down now. It was probably one of my quickest drawings I've ever done because the idea came to me late at night about because I was feeling tired and I put it up the next day and it's been shared hundreds of thousands of times, which just shows to me how engaged people are with that, how they understand it. And what people say to me is, ah, this makes sense. There's not something wrong with me. You know, yes, it's hard, but it doesn't mean there's something wrong with me. It means it's a common experience that many of us are feeling. Mm. I think that's that's probably what I'm seeing most, but also just anxiety, you know, frustration. A lot of these emotions are coming out more. People are at full capacity, so maybe they get more emotional quickly or more upset quickly or they become anxious more quickly because we're just functioning with quite with a lot less capacity than normal and I write a lot about that about our cups overflowing much quicker with tiny things so it's something that you might normally cope with but actually because you haven't got much space left to cope that tiny thing in this instance pushes you over the edge and you become upset or you become you know you feel you're you're struggling and that's something that people are really engaging with as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that short fuse kind of thing. I, mm-hmm. I I can totally get that. And I've experienced that too with, with just feeling like, um, you know, oh, I don't know what to cook for dinner and then feeling a little frustrated with that. And it's like, that mm-hmm. wouldn't normally bother me. Why is that bothering me right now? <laughs> so. Yeah, you just, you just have less brain space. We have less brain space, less emotional space just to deal with it. And, and so it can seem like a big thing, you know, cooking dinner, which normally you just go and do something. It suddenly seems a massive task. And then you add in tiredness and it becomes an even more massive task. 
Mm, wow. And I, I think that should comfort a lot of people in knowing that that is everybody. And I think from the flip end, it encourages us all to have some compassion when interacting with folks, mm-hmm. because you never know what their personal and individual experiences where we are all having a shared experience with the pandemic stress, but then someone else could be having even more layers on that with what's happening in their home life and their work life and their finances and all kinds of different things. Um, So it it can get very heavy. What advice do you have for folks and what things can people do to kind of start to heal? Is healing even possible? I mean, I think looking after yourself is possible. And I think it depends what we mean by healing. Does it mean getting better all the time? Does it mean feeling good all the time? Because that's not possible. Our emotions are naturally fluctuating. They go up and they go down. We'll feel happy, but we'll never, you know, I write my books that Destination Happy Land isn't possible because we will never, we will get there. We will feel happy. But if we expect to stay there, that's actually unhelpful. So to me, I think healing to me means being able to know how to respond to your emotions. If you are feeling down, having techniques and being able to um, respond helpfully to that. It doesn't mean that we'll, we won't feel bad, we won't suffer, because we all feel bad at times and we all suffer. And that will be different, you know, different reasons and different triggers for everybody. But if we live in a place where we think we must heal to get to this point where we never feel bad, or we never feel down, or we never feel, we never struggle, that's unrealistic. So it's more about noticing your emotions, understanding your emotions, noticing when they are starting to dip, noticing when you are starting to feel more anxious a lot of the time and stepping back and thinking, what can I do about that? And having techniques and tools that we build up over life, but we sometimes need to actively think about how do we manage these emotions? Because we know if we push them away, if we try to avoid emotions, if we, which is a very natural thing to do because it doesn't feel nice to be sad. It doesn't feel nice to feel anxious. But if we push them away, emotions have a tendency to pop back up. So mm-hmm. I think the first advice is, you know, the first thing I would say is really get to know your emotions. You know, how are you feeling? And, and what's that telling you? And what can you do about that? And if you are feeling bad, what helps you feel a bit different? Is it speaking to somebody? Is it going out for a walk? Is it, you know, having a day just to yourself? So noticing your emotions is really the fundamental to looking after your well-being and mental health and not expecting to be you know, feeling good all the time because sometimes we start to notice our emotions and think oh I shouldn't be feeling this way I'm feeling bad why am I feeling bad I have got it so much better than other people I shouldn't be feeling bad so we start to beat ourselves up for having emotions that's also really unhelpful because that makes us feel worse so it's mm. noticing and being compassionate to your emotions Mm, that's really helpful. Would you say that people who may not have ordinarily sought out therapy, that it's something that they should consider as a result of this pandemic? Like, should most people go to therapy at this point? I think it depends. Um, it's a complex answer, or a complex question, and it's a complex answer. Um Therapy can be beneficial for many people. And if there's no reason not to go to therapy, you know, we we treat our physical health on a daily basis and we look after ourselves by exercise. And there's no reason not to look after your mental health on a daily basis. And that might be for many people or some people therapy. Mm-hmm. That's talking through, thinking about what, you know, what how your emotions impact you, noticing patterns that are unhelpful. But it's not for everybody. For some people, you know, 
recognizing that speaking through things with friends or speaking through things with their partner, their family, or, you know, just connecting with people generally is enough to sustain their well-being and their mental health. But I think it's one of the options, one of the options that we, sh- you know, we shouldn't dismiss thinking we only go when we're feeling terrible because therapy can also help people stay well too. So it's something to think about in that kind of toolkit of possibilities and recognising if you're not managing on a day-to-day basis, if your normal techniques aren't working, if you're struggling, if you're feeling you need to really think about things and unpick things, you're having difficulty doing that yourself or with your normal people you speak things through or with through your normal means, then maybe it's worth considering. Mm-hmm. I'd like to talk a little bit about about grief um, because we've kind of been hitting the surface here with what everyone is experiencing as a result result of this pandemic. But I think there's also those folks that have experienced loss. Um, and for those who have gotten COVID and the, it may have been quite severe um, and have made it through it, they may have experienced trauma. And I think we're kind of entering uh, an area where, uh, or a time period where there are so many more people who have experienced health trauma kind of walking around than ever before. Um, Survivors, for for lack of a better word. I I think Mm -hmm. now COVID is because of the vaccines. Folks are kind of getting in and they're bouncing back and it's it's not a a thing all the time. Uh, But in the beginning, there were the deaths were just skyrocketing. And for those who did catch it early on, um, their recovery was really challenging for at least the folks that I know. Um, What advice do you have for them as it relates to recovering mentally from such a traumatic incident? If it was in fact traumatic, do they, would you say that they have a high likelihood of having PTSD now? Um, Should they seek greater services? What advice do you have for those folks? That's a great question and a great reflection on what we've been through because there have been so many losses. Like you say, that might be grief loss of a person or grief for your life as it was before. And many people who've experienced COVID um, are continuing to have long COVID symptoms. And that comes with the loss of your functioning, potentially the loss of your life as it was before. When it comes to trauma, what the evidence says is that actually most people recover from trauma through their networks, through the communities, through, you know, the other things they do in their life um, that they build around after the trauma. So most people actually recover from trauma without treatment. However, there is a risk if you've been through trauma of post-traumatic stress disorder, like you said, and that's related to um, experiencing trauma, being able to, unable to shift on from it it might come back through your memories and flashbacks and comes back very immediately like you're there again or it might come back in your dreams so it's almost like you're you can't integrate the trauma or the traumatic experience into your brain like we would with normal memories and if you're finding it still starting to impact on you then certainly I think there are you know evidence-based treatments such as cognitive behavioral therapy or EMDR treatment which have been shown to help with trauma so that's always worth considering and actually when we look at trauma and at the moment many people are talking about collective trauma because like you said so many people have been through it 
But if we experience trauma and we know a group of people have experienced trauma, what we suggest in the first instance is watchful waiting rather than rushing in with treatment. Because, like I said, most people will get to a point where they, they live with what they've been through and they feel it, you know, they will never forget it, obviously, but they have built their life in a way that, that they can continue on. So most people will come to that stage. However, for no fault of their own, some people won't. And absolutely, I think treatment in those instances is beneficial. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you mentioned EMDR, is that right? Yes. Uh-huh. Can, can you talk a little bit about that? Because I don't think a lot of people know what that is, but that is a really transformational uh, methodology. So EMDR is eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. And it's a a type of therapy where you go through the trauma in a safe place and reprocess it. But prior to that, you'd go through grounding techniques, ensuring you're safe. Now, I'm not specifically trained in that type of therapy, but many therapists are. And it has evidence that it can help people move on from the trauma and it may help them kind of integrate the memories into so that they're not so vivid and they're not having the same level of flashbacks so that it is an evidence-based therapy for trauma there are other evidence-based therapies but it's something that many people engage with well and it's worth looking into if you experience trauma and you feel it's still impacting on your life what final mental health tips do you have for folks who are excited about Um, putting this all behind them in the new year. (laughs) Sure, sure. Um, I think, you know, excitement is an absolute valid emotion and and enjoy the positives while you can and, you know, really savour when you're feeling good. Um, I think compassion for me is absolutely crucial. Compassion is something I've come to more and more throughout my career. You mentioned compassion for other people earlier on and actually developing that compassion understanding for other people is really important and can benefit ourselves as well. There's also compassion for ourselves and our natural tendency because of how our brain works is to focus on the negatives, to be quite self-critical. And if we go, we've gone through a difficult time where maybe our mood has been low, we've felt languishing, our brain actually doesn't help us because if we're feeling low already, our brain is more likely to fall into these negative patterns of thought. So the negative gets pronounced even more. So what can help with that, if you're finding that, if you're really becoming really critical of yourself, is first of all, notice you're doing it. Notice you're criticising yourself and then step back and start to develop more compassion for yourself. One of the easiest ways to do this, and I say easy because it's not actually easy to apply, like all psychological techniques, they sound easy sometimes. But when you go to apply it in your life, you have to remember to do it and you have to override patterns in your brain to do it. Mm. But this is a technique which I've used with many people and used in groups that I've run and people really engage with it. It's noticing your critic. What are you saying to yourself? Stepping back and thinking, what would I say to somebody else I care about in this situation? What would I say to a small child? How would criticise them make them feel? If they had a bully on their shoulder or me or somebody else saying what I just said to myself, to them, how would they feel? And they're going to feel pretty bad. So think, what would I say to them instead? And then start building up and saying that to yourself, because that's a much fairer position to come from, much more objective. We're stepping back and looking at the situation from an outside perspective and start to say this to yourself. And it could feel very unnatural, first of all. We might not believe it. 
because we're so used to our inner critic just running wild and just seeing things without us even noticing it. But the more you do it, the more you're building networks in your brain, you're building patterns which will enable you to do this more longer term and it becomes more natural. So all these things take practice. You're creating neural links in your brain, which enables you to do it with less effort and more ease. So developing compassion for yourself and allowing yourself to feel emotions, allowing yourself to feel bad, allowing yourself to muck up and, you know, sometimes fail because we're scared of failure but actually we all fail we all do things wrong so we need to be able to tolerate that and compassion enables us to tolerate that so I'd say compassion if people want to look at one thing to help look after their mental health is a really really powerful thing to do and there's lots of really good um, podcast TED talks out there one of the key people is Kirsten Neff who does some fantastic podcasts on compassion if people want to look at it more If you could look back and give your 10-year younger self any piece of advice, what would it be? Oh, that's a great question. And I actually have a nine-year-old daughter, so probably a lot of the things (laughs) I say to her are what I would say to myself. Um, I would say, you know, it's okay to to not get things right. Nobody knows. Nobody knows everything. In fact, you know, everybody is, in many cases, uncertain. Uncertainty is really common. So don't believe that uncertainty and self-doubt means you're doing something wrong. Uncertainty is really normal when you're in a new situation and the only way to to overcome that is just keep on going. Do what you want to do and focus on what's really important to you rather than focusing on what other people will tell you is important throughout your life. So I guess it it would really be about self-doubt and focusing on what matters to me. Mm. How can our audience find and support you? Ah, yes, so I am on Instagram as The Psychology Mum which is a very cheesy name, but I am a psychologist and a mum. So in, <laughs> when I went on, that's what I put up. And I do illustrations on there. I'm also on Facebook and Twitter under the same name. Um, I write books under the Psychology Mum, but also it's Dr. Emma Hepburn. You can find them. They've just been released um, in the US this year. So they should be available in all good bookshops in the US and across Europe and in the UK as well. And I also have a free book if people search online for how to stay calm in a global pandemic. It's a free downloadable book that people can access and use for non-commercial use themselves. So if they want that, to have a look at that in the first instance to get to know my work, that's a really good place to start. Emma, thank you so much for coming on the show and I can't wait to have you back. Uh, thank you so much. It's been lovely talking to you. You are listening to Lifestyle and Success with Dr. S, a talk show to help you rise in business success while designing a life that you don't need a vacation from. To subscribe and never miss a beat, head to Lifestyle and Success with DRS.com. Bye.